it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Well, it is that week between Christmas and New Year's where all of the talk radio hosts are enjoying some some time off. Uh, just a little bit of time off, and and Brian Kilmeade is uh, is certainly. Uh, Part of that. He is enjoying some time off right now. My name is Joe Kelly, and I'm coming to you from the Florida Freedom Zone here at WDBO Radio in Orlando, where it is currently 45 degrees. Now, I know a lot of you are, are in subarctic weather, sub, uh, sub-zero weather, but I promise you 45 degrees is really, really cold for Orlando. And on Christmas Day, we got down to about 30 degrees. Uh, of course, here for us, it's just an inconvenience up uh, north, uh, up around Buffalo in parts of New York. It is uh, downright deadly uh, and a lot of us here in Florida have been complaining about the cold, but now, you know, as we see the the tragic death toll up in in New York, uh, the number is around sixty people so far. What we're seeing that have died uh, in this winter blast. So our our uh, hearts and prayers and condolences go to those who have died in this. And I what a miserable death I, I would imagine that that, that would be. Uh, again, my name is Joe Kelly here for Brian Kilmeade. The number is 866-408-7669. I want to turn to Liz Peak, who is joining us now. Liz is a Fox News contributor. She's a uh, columnist for foxnews.com and The Hill. You'll find her on Twitter, online at at Liz Peak. Uh, and she's uh, joining us live now. Liz, Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Although it's in the rearview mirror, I refuse to let go of Christmas. And by the way, I'm heading to Florida tomorrow, and you just prompted me to look at the weather there. It's not exactly toasty, but hey, I'm in northern uh, Westchester, and it was 10 degrees on Christmas Mm -hmm. night. Oh, my gosh. Or Christmas Eve. Very cold. Yeah, that is thoroughly unacceptable. Uh, (laughs) Which part of the state will you be visiting? Uh, Florida and Palm Beach. Oh, it's going to be gorgeous. Uh, but by later this week, we're going to be in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Looks pretty good. I, I have nothing to complain about. Um, I, I, my heart goes out to these people in Buffalo. And, and you've got to say, a lot of them apparently died in their cars. They oh, froze to death in their cars. And I, I just wonder if, if they didn't get enough warning that this storm was coming or who would go out on the roads when it when there's literally the blizzard of the century barreling down on you. I mean, I feel so awful, and I just, you know, I, I hope uh, the authorities did everything possible to warn people from going out into that storm because it, it really was a tremendously risky thing to do. I can't want, I can't imagine, rather, or, uh, I can't help but to wonder, I should say, uh, if if some of those people were people just trying to get to work, if they were, were, were required yeah. to go into work, uh, which, you know, honestly, in that kind of conditions, uh, they should close everything. I did see that there's been some looting that has been yeah. taking place. And that is just that that to me is one of the worst, worst things that can happen, because when people should be evacuating or taking shelter, uh, you know, some people will take risks and yeah. st- and stay back to protect their homes or protect their businesses. Say, if you don't have confidence in law enforcement and unfortunately in New York State, it's hard to. 
uh, have a lot of confidence because the state is open doors to looting and, and retail theft. Uh, we all know that the numbers are absolutely horrific, but our legislator, uh, legislators in Albany, in their wisdom, decided to make it perfectly okay to basically rob and plunder. And boy, is that just now full bore in New York State and New York City. It is absolutely horrific. And I just, I just hope that these people who make these laws, allowing repeat offenders to get out of jail, uh, you know, within hours of being arrested, only to perpetrate the same crimes again. And by the way, that's what's happening. It's, uh, it, you know, it's not like everyone in New York State has suddenly become a criminal. It's just there is no real um, uh, uh, price to be paid for misbehaving or and and basically stealing. So that's become okay. Uh, criminals know that they're really not; they don't have much to lose. So it goes on. And I got to tell you, one of the reasons that people are fleeing New York State is they don't feel safe. They can't. They don't feel like their property, their businesses, or their person are really treated uh, with, you know, with the uh, respect that they should. And I mean, I, I'm really. It's just. It's just ghastly, and and our uh, officials have really got to sort of bear down on this. There's a lot of noise being made by people like Kathy Hochul and Eric Adams, but so far not much in the way of results. And and Liz, uh, looting up in a in a blizzard yeah. is is certainly an inconvenience and it's an abomination. But you know, here in Florida, in the Florida Freedom Zone, when we have to deal with storms, we're talking about hurricanes rather than blizzards. And and there's really no evacuation from a blizzard. I mean, blizzards, you stay home, you hunker down, and you wait for it to warm up a little bit and for the snow to melt. Uh, but when there's a hurricane coming, you have to evacuate. You've got to leave, otherwise your house will be taken from its yeah. foundation. And and moved three miles away. And regrettably here in Florida, there are people who do not evacuate because they are afraid of looters. So here in Florida, it can truly be life or death when it comes to looting, which is why one of our infamous sheriffs. Uh, has encouraged during hurricanes uh, homeowners who do stay home to shoot looters on site, which is something that really you can pretty much do here in Florida. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think one of the reasons that Ron DeSantis was reelected governor of Florida with such overwhelming numbers is because he managed, among other things, a really dreadful hurricane extremely well. Uh, And that that is telling. He's a serious guy. He took the hurricane seriously. A lot of important warnings went out to people about what might go wrong. But the visual that sticks with me is the complete destruction of the bridge out to Captiva and Sanibel Islands off the uh, west coast of Florida, a place where I used to go with my family. Uh, And it was basically impossible to get to those islands to provide the kind of relief that people who, as you say, unwisely had stayed there needed. But gosh, within days, uh, somehow the state under DeSantis made a pontoon bridge or something like that that allowed access. I mean, I thought that was extraordinary. And anyway, uh, you know, obviously the whole performance there was really excellent. And, you know, he got rewarded for that as well he should have. Let's let's segue into that if we can, Liz Peak, and and talk about DeSantis versus Trump. Uh, I, I know that it, it's kind of the the elephants in the room as to whether or not DeSantis is going to uh, seek a run for the White House, uh, but that certainly wouldn't sit well with Donald Trump. 
No, but, uh, you know, guess what? Uh, it may be Ron DeSantis's time has come. Uh, there's a lot of talk about, well, he could wait, you know, and sort of see how the next election goes. My experience is there is a moment, and you grab that moment. And when you were, for example, remember Chris Christie was a very popular governor, decided not to run for president for various reasons, and his moment passed. I mean, he never really got that opportunity again. Uh, I would argue maybe Nikki Haley's in the same camp where she had a, a really a wonderful run as governor of South Carolina. Uh, then she was on the Trump team at representing the United States at the United Nations. And now she's been out of the limelight for, what, four or five years. I think it's very hard for her to mount a credible presidential run, although I think she's interested in doing that, when you've basically been sort of yesterday's news for quite a long time. So I think for DeSantis, the moment is now. Uh, he comes off obviously being the most successful politician of 2022, uh, certainly on the, on the Republican Party. And l let's face it, Donald Trump, whom I have supported uh, through two campaigns, voted for twice, et cetera, uh, I think he is just on a downhill slide right now. I, I don't think anything he's doing is working. Uh, I don't think his campaign is gathering any kind of momentum. An awful lot of Republican big donors are simply turning a cold shoulder to Donald Trump, partly because of the January 6th performance, partly because it really does seem as though uh, he, Trump cannot let go of what happened in 2020. He can't let go of the stolen election theme. And frankly, I, I think people who try to step back from that and look at the message he's sending out to Republican voters, it's really destructive to our prospects. I mean, my view of of the 2022 midterms, oh my goodness, when the Republicans had every issue going their way, every issue in the world to run on, Democrats had nothing to run on, uh, and yet the Republicans way underperformed, and a lot of it sits on Donald Trump's doorstep, not just because he uh, picked and and uh, championed candidates who didn't necessarily have the best credentials to run or even the best political chops, but rather because they supported his claims of a fraudulent election. And guess what? The American people do not support that. Uh, in any election, you need independent voters to come over to your side. That didn't happen, partly because of Roe v. Wade and partly because of the looming presence of Donald Trump. And that was a really big, you know, that hurt our country. Forget the Republican Party. That hurt the United States. To have a Democrat-led Senate and such a narrow victory in the House, you know, this is really not the outcome that would have been helpful in stemming the absolutely horrific injurious policies of the Biden White House. But now we're stuck with two more years of uh, Biden kind of calling the shots. And, you know, that's really terrible news. We're talking to Liz Peak here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. You can join us at 866-408-7669. You can also go to com. We're talking to Liz Peak, Fox News contributor, columnist for foxnews.com and The Hill. You'll find her online at Liz Peek, P-E-E-K. And, and Liz, to match your disclosure, I will tell you the same thing. I voted for Donald Trump twice. He wasn't my original choice in the primary. I was a Marco Rubio guy until he lost. Uh, and then I, I supported Donald Trump twice. And now I'm at the point where I have I have sympathy or I feel sorry for Donald Trump. 
And and you talk about, you know, when the timing is right. And I feel like the timing is absolutely past Donald Trump. And it is no longer his time to shine. And I'm frankly, I'm reminded of Barack Obama. I mean, Barack Obama, who would have imagined a freshman senator with a name like Barack Obama uh, making it all the way to the top? Well, his time was right. You've got to strike while the iron is hot. And I think for Ron DeSantis, the iron is white hot right now. That's exactly right. I, I, I'm, you know, hopeful. Uh, I'm hopeful that DeSantis does not go so far trying to appease Donald Trump voters that he turns off a lot of middle-of-the-road voters, because if Joe Biden runs again, which he has every, seems to have every inclination to do against all odds and against common sense, in my view, uh, if Joe Biden is the Democratic candidate, anyone should be able to beat him. The only people who could not beat Donald, uh, Joe Biden, maybe Donald Trump, uh, but also I think people who just, again, lose all those middle-of-the-ground uh, voters, and I don't mean that you should distort your policies or your beliefs to accommodate people who are basically Democrats or who are simply put off by Joe Biden's age, et cetera. But let's not give them a reason not to sign on. I think DeSantis has done a great job uh, on issues like the nonsense that's being taught in school uh, and confronting a woke company like Disney. I was totally on board with that because corporate America needs to hear the message that not everybody is enthralled to their liberal agenda. And by the way, we don't uh, sign up for Disney Plus <laughs> on the basis that we're going to be fed a lot of liberal agenda, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. If they want half the con- if they want the whole country as their audience, pay attention to the half that is not on board with that. Uh, but I do hope that DeSantis does not uh, just kind of he doesn't need to uh, kickstart a whole lot of really aggressive uh, negative campaign issues that are not going to resonate resonate with the majority of Americans. I would like to see him talking about, for example, immigration policy in a positive way because this is a running sore for the United States right now. Our southern border is a joke. Uh, it is. Not a joke. It is actually a horrible situation. Liz, hold right there for me, if you will. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the southern border. We're going to talk about some of the Twitter files uh, that dropped uh, during Christmas. You might have missed it. So Liz is going to bring us up to speed on the latest Twitter files and the issues at the southern border as we continue here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. You can join us at 866-408-7669. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals, to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze 
to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Nationwide, worldwide, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. You'll find me online at Talk Radio Joe. We're talking to Liz Peak. Uh, Liz is a Fox News contributor, columnist for foxnews.com and The Hill. And Liz, I, I, I know you're coming to Florida next week. Uh, you've been to Disney World, I would imagine, it's at some point in your life? Yeah, not for a long time. So I just saw a note uh, that Disney is not allowing any more reservations until 2023. They're completely sold out for the rest of wow. this year. So, Well, you know, that's kind of the economic message of the past year, right, it, is that everyone sort of, uh, first of all, entered 2021 as Joe Biden took office with an enormously flush uh, financial situation. The entire country had been sent checks, whether or not they were working and whether they'd kept their jobs, et cetera. Uh, you know, we had a trillion and a half dollars saved up, uh, excess savings. And finally, when the economy began to reopen, people began to spend like crazy, which is really where all this inflation came from. But then they moved on to travel because travel and going out to eat and all those experience things were the uh, kinds of activities that were totally shut down during COVID. So the big news is, uh, yeah, I mean, good luck trying to get a vacation organized because airplanes are sold out, hotels are sold out. This past year has been remarkable for the travel industry. You know, I scheduled a cruise with my kids uh, for about two weeks from now, and my, my only rule was I'm not going to fly anywhere. And fortunately, here in Orlando, we can go out of Port Canaveral uh, over by the Kennedy Space Center, so we don't sure. have to fly anywhere. We can just drive to the cruise ship and then and then take off from there, and we're, we're heading out to the Bahamas. But well, the reason why we're not talking about vacations here, Liz, I want to circle back to talking about the uh, the southern U.S. border. Oh, what a disaster that is. Yeah, it's sickening, uh, and it's inhumane, and it's lawless, and my guess is it's criminal. I really hope – I don't really hope that the Republican Congress or House spends a lot of time looking backwards and reinvestigating things, but I do think Mayorkas uh, should be impeached. You know, the, there were a few – 
House members who brought impeachment charges against him a couple of years ago for not fulfilling his duty, uh, more like 18 months, I guess. And that was shelved, of course, in a Democrat-led Congress. But I, it, there is a I've written about it. I can't remember exactly what the law is called, but there is a law that requires Mayorkas to effectively carry out the laws of our rather pathetic immigration system, uh, and he's not doing it. So I, I really do think impeachment is reasonable in this case. Plus, he's a very smug and arrogant guy who has lied to Congress, uh, and he does not deserve to be in the position he's in. Liz, it, is, it has been an absolute joy talking with you today. Thank you so much for your time, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the, uh, the holiday here and a great New Year's Eve. Thank you, thank you, same to you. Take care and happy new year. You got it. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly, and we'll take some of your phone calls on the way at 866-408-7669. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Ow! Werewolves of London. Hey, it's Joe Kelly. In for Brian Kilmeade. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm broadcasting from the Florida Freedom Zone down here in beautiful Orlando, where at this moment it is now 50 degrees. Uh, our car dashboards are are reading in the 40s right now. Uh, we were down into the 30s over the uh, Christmas weekend. It was the coldest Christmas we've had here in Orlando in 20 years. So cold today that uh, not that <laughs> for anybody in Buffalo and nobody cares, but <clears throat> so cold today here in Orlando that all of our water parks are closed. Uh, they've been closed for days because of the cold. Even though the water is warmed, uh, it's just too doggone cold in the air to to head out to a water park at this hour. Though our golf courses are still open because there is no snow here in Central Florida. All right, I want to welcome onto the show here uh, Sheriff Bill Wayborn. He is uh, the sheriff of Tarrant County, Texas, or as we used to call it when we lived in when I lived in Texas, Tarrant County, Tarrant County. Uh, sheriff, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you, sir? I'm great, and good morning, and uh, belated happy Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Right back at you. Uh, before we get into some border issues and such, may I ask you about the weather there in Texas? Uh, Texas has its own electric grid, and I know there's been some problems with the electric grid, and it has been really cold in Texas, too. It uh, Right now, it's a, here in the greater Fort Worth area, it's a balmy 23 degrees, oh. and, but we're looking forward to uh, mid-50s today. But it's, uh, it's still, and it's sun is shining, and it's uh, liberty's ringing in Florida. I mean, you, in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> liberty's certainly ringing in Florida. Uh, my two favorite states, Florida and Texas. Uh, I was raised in Texas and live in Florida. And uh, I'm I'm thrilled to have you. I've been to Tarrant County more times than I can imagine. I uh, lived in the, in Dallas County for years. Uh, but the reason why we wanted to get you on the show here, Sheriff, is to talk about uh, to talk about the the surge on the border, and even as far north as Fort Worth from the border. Give us an idea of what kind of impact that has in your community. Well, thank you. And and the biggest impact that all of this has on the border crisis since 2021 is the plethora of drugs that have come across and the absolutely threat, uh, you know, where we have fentanyl poisonings up by 50 percent. And and we're doing those kind of things. And we've seized enough fentanyl this year in Tarrant County to kill every man, woman and child that lives in Tarrant County. 
So it has been a uh, – and the, the cheapness of drugs uh, is that in 2020 – uh, 2019, 2020, you know, uh, a gram of methamphetamine cost you 80 bucks on the street. Today, it's down around 15 or 20 dollars because there's such a plethora of it, and the demand is still there. So, not only the drug impact, but also the domino effect of that is is that when we see higher drug use, we're going to see higher mental health issues, and that impacts our jails and our medical community and MHMR. You know, I've got three teenage kids, uh, uh, one of whom just went off to college for her freshman year. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've discussed with my kids, if you're out somewhere and somebody hands you a pill, even if you ask for an aspirin, even if you, if you think it's something innocent, uh, that never, ever, ever, ever take a pill or, or you know, from, from anybody for any reason, unless you have seen it come out of a, you know, a sealed pill bottle I mean, that's that's how some of these people are dying is is they're taking what they think is a, a you know, an aspirin or a normal drug or or, you know, even an, a, a, some sort of oxy. But it's laced with that fentanyl. That is that is correct. And that's great parental advice. And I urge parents all the time to do exactly what you said and also to invade their children's social media. You know, the kids that are 14, 15 years old invade, see who they're texting, see who they're talking to and what they're talking about, because you may stumble upon intelligence that will lead you to block that stuff because it is simply the deadliest form of stuff going on in our community today. And not to myself, so for my daughter who's gone off to college, she's not old enough to drink yet, but they still go to bars. And I, I tell her, never leave a drink unattended. I mean, make sure that you are in the, the, the chain of custody for your beverage at all times. If you walk away from a drink, don't return back to that drink. That's, that is exactly right. And again, great advice, and everybody should be doing that. Now, beyond, beyond fentanyl in your community, Sheriff, uh, what, is, what is it doing as far as your social services and trying to just deal with the influx of, of people who have nothing? Well, we in, in, in the Fort Worth area where we've got the greater I-35 and I-20 corridors and several interstates and, and major highways, we often become the hub where they come here and they're not here for but just a moment, and they hang a right and head back east or go north uh, toward Chicago and some of these places. But we're still seeing uh, that that are we've probably got 200 people this morning in jail that are that are both illegal aliens and have committed some violent crime in Tarrant County. And of those, uh, the highest number is going to be for uh, uh, sexual assault child. So uh, we're, we're seeing those kind of criminal offenses as these people come north. And, uh, and the, the, fortunately, we hope that we're still getting reports. And this is sexual assault of children from their own community. So these are kids that are coming up, some of the human trafficking that's coming up. Uh, with them. And uh, so we are trying our best to intercede and rescue those people and hopefully get them out of harm's way. But uh, uh, for the majority of it, our hospitals are still open and doing fine, but, but they're seeing a lot of ERs visits coming in, and that's how people are getting into the medical world. They have to come and, and, 
into the yard, and it's being bogged down. We're talking to Sheriff Bill Weyburn, the sheriff of Tarrant County, Texas. That is the greater Fort Worth area and the Metroplex there. Uh, here on the Brian Kilmeade Show, my name is Joe Kelly. You'll find me at Talk Radio Joe. Our number is 866-408-7669. I want to circle back to the human trafficking element, Sheriff. I, I feel like the American people kind of put their head in the sand when it comes to the, the real problem of human and sex trafficking in the United States. Uh, you absolutely correct, and how it comes about. And uh, two points I'd like to make on that is that from the border issue, there are 16 or 17,000 children that the government has lost track of. Where are they? Who's, who has them, and what are they doing with them? Uh, I think that should be of high concern of us. And then also in that human trafficking, what's, what we're seeing on the border, especially in the Arizona border, but also on the Mexico border, is that they're using TikTok and stuff like that to advertise for drivers. So it's enticing even other young people to come down and become part of the organized criminal activity of smuggling and trafficking people off the border up into major hubs like Fort Worth or Houston or, or Phoenix. So they are using our own teenagers and paying them well. And we've seen plenty of that down in Cochise County and Pinal County in Arizona, but we're also starting to see that in Texas. Last question for you, Sheriff. What kind of what kind of engagement do you have with ICE, with federal authorities? You know, if you're if you've got uh, illegal immigrants in your jails uh, there in Fort Worth, uh, when where does ICE engage and take over some of that problem? Well, what happens is in Texas, if you committed crime against Texas, we're going to hold you completely accountable until we're finished with you. And then at that point, ICE has 48 hours to pick you up. Uh, so they are, they've been very good to us, uh, is that when we finish business with them, generally within eight hours, ICE has got them. Now, what they do with them uh, under this administration is that depending on what the crime is, they may be given a pass and a court date for four or five years down the road. Wow. So they're going to be here uh, by the time four or five years down the road gets here. They're going to be either long since gone or so well ingrained in our community that there's no way they're going to be leaving. That's correct. Wow. Uh, Sheriff, I sure appreciate your time. Sheriff Bill Weyburn from Tarrant County, Texas. I hope you all warm up pretty soon and and uh, get all of your electricity back online and uh, a big howdy to all my friends in Texas. Well, thank you for having me, Joe, and I believe Governor Abbott's doing a, as good a job as he can with what he has. Outstanding. By the way. Thank you, Sheriff, so much for your time. My name is Joe Kelly. You can join me at 866-408-7669. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show, and we will continue coming up straight ahead here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis, because, man, do you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hello, everyone, and happy Kwanzaa. Doug and I send our warmest wishes to all of you this holiday season. During Kwanzaa, we celebrate the history and heritage of the African-American community and the African diaspora. Growing up, Kwanzaa was always a special time. We came together with generations of friends and family and neighbors. There were never enough chairs. So my sister and I and the other children would often sit on the floor, and together we lit the candles of the Kanara, and then the elders would talk about how Kwanzaa is a time to celebrate culture, community, 
and family. Far be it from me to cast doubt on someone else's experiences. But does anybody else get the sense that that's just hogwash, that they don't really you know, get, get around and gather and listen to the elders? And, uh, and there's just not enough chairs. Uh, they've been celebrating Kwanzaa for so many, many years now. I don't know. That just seems a bit of a struggle to believe. Hey, I want to go, I want to go off script a bit here for just a moment if I can, not – you know, not that I have a script, but the, you know, the holidays are a time in which, regrettably, a lot of people come to some really lousy decisions based upon the emotions that they're feeling during the holidays. And regrettably, the, the volume of suicides uh, during the holidays uh, takes a bump, goes up. As, as people are at wit's end, whether it is over the budget, whether is it over family matters, whatever the case may be, uh, this is a time in which, regrettably, people are prone. They often commit suicide. And I, I personally feel that suicide doesn't get discussed enough. I know it's a depressing topic. Nobody wants to talk about suicide um, but it is so very, very important that we pay attention to our mental health and that we, we get the help that we need and we normalize discussion about mental health. And I think that's really, really important. And, and I kind of want to lead by example in normalizing mental health and just very briefly, very briefly share with you my, my uh, episode of mental health, if you will. And when I moved to Orlando uh, about a decade ago, I found myself in this weird situation where I kept getting sick. And I, I just kept breaking out in sweats and I would, I would get dizzy and lightheaded. And I found myself in the emergency room and I, I thought for sure I was having a heart attack or a stroke or something. I felt like I was dying and I felt like I wanted to die. And they ran every imaginable test on me and came back and said, we think you're having a panic attack. And I said, there, there is no way that I am having a panic attack. I don't have panic attacks. I don't have anxiety. Well, in spite of my protestations, I did. And I, I was able to look back upon my life in the years before that and realize, oh, my gosh, I've had anxiety Far longer than I realized. It, it wasn't just triggered when I moved to Orlando. But I found that anytime there was a big event going on, anytime I had a big thing that I had to do, anytime something giant was going on in my life, for example, like filling in for Brian Kilmeade. That's a big thing. This is an exciting thing for me. In the past, it would have absolutely put me in the hospital. I would have been so sick, but I never made the, I never made the connection until I finally ended up in the emergency room and they said, you've got you're having a panic attack. I finally saw the right doctors, got the right medicine, and feel fantastic now. And I just want you to know that whatever you're feeling right now, there is help for you. People can help you. People do care. And as of just a couple of months ago, in everyone's local community in America – you should be able to dial 988 to be able to get mental health support. 988 is the 911, if you will, for mental health emergencies. Not physical health emergencies, but mental health emergencies. There, there are wonderful medicines. There are exciting therapies. There are a lot of ways to get through 
through whatever it is you're suffering from, whether it's depression or anxiety or, or anything else, uh, there is help available for you. And I would hate to see you go through the rest of the holidays uh, and, and make a, a, a decision that has forever consequences for a short-term problem. And I found out that my anxiety was really a short-term problem. I remember years ago, I worked at a radio station in uh, Dallas, Texas. As I mentioned earlier with the sheriff, I worked in Dallas, Texas. And one of our, one of my colleagues, one of my fellow broadcasters, uh, one day when I went into the radio station, he was curled up in the fetal position uh, in the boss's office, having a complete breakdown. And as it was explained to me, he was having anxiety and a panic attack. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, how pathetic. What a what a loser. How gosh, come on, suck it up, man up. Let's do this. Now, that was uh, admittedly before my before I started my journey with Christ. And I was far less compassionate than I am today, and I am embarrassed at myself for thinking that back in the day when this guy was having a panic attack because I am now that guy. And, you know, not until you find yourself in those same shoes can you appreciate it the same way. And so I, I many years later, even though I never said a word to him, many years later I reached out to him and, and expressed my sympathy years after the fact uh, that he had gone through such a terrible struggle. Uh, but just know, please, 988 is the number to call. If you have a friend, a family member, somebody who's hurting, someone that you're worried about, uh, particularly during this holiday season, 988. It's a brand new number. It's it's just been activated. In some of your local communities, it may not even be up and running yet, uh, but it certainly should be already. It was required by law, by federal law to be up and running uh, and it certainly should be up and running for you right now. So just dial 988 if you find yourself in need of, uh, of any kind of health care attention right about now, mental health care uh, attention. Um, all right, so a, num- a number of people are confessing that the early pandemic decisions in hindsight were a colossal mistake. Uh, not deciding not to buy a house right at the beginning is one of the examples that people made a huge mistake that they should have bought a house right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, what I find interesting, not letting road crews fix roads in the social bubble. I will tell you that in Orlando, we had a massive construction project going on. It's called the I-4 Ultimate Project. And as soon as the pandemic hit, they actually did do that. They made the decision, let's accelerate the construction on this. Uh, so that uh, they can get it done while there's so little traffic. My name is Joe Kelly. You are listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. The number is 866-408-7669. You can find out more when you go to briankilmeadeshow.com. My name is Joe Kelly here in Orlando, Florida, in the Florida Freedom Zone. And uh, we look forward to continuing our discussions. Coming up, it's The Brian Kilmeade Show. Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. It is indeed the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. 
here in the Florida Freedom Zone in Orlando at WDBO, Brian's or Orlando flagship radio station. And I'm thrilled to be here with you this week between Christmas and New Year's. It is a joyful time of year. It is the time of the year uh, in which, and particularly with this weather, that the manatees are on the move in Florida. If you've not been to Florida to see the manatees, uh, I was just in Anna Maria Island on the Gulf Coast of Florida last week. And we were standing out there on the Gulf and watched as a couple of giant uh, of those sea cows, manatees, were making their way out of the ocean into the canals uh, where they find warmer water. The water that comes out of the springs is a constant 72 degrees, whereas the ocean water was dipping colder. Uh, So all the manatees kind of come home, if you will, uh, during this cold weather, and they are actually able to count them. Uh, Conservationists are able to count them and give them any kind of medical attention if they need it. But cold weather is very bad for the manatees. Again, I'm Joe Kelly, The Brian Kilmeade Show, 866-408-7669. Joining us now is Dr. Marty McCary. He's a Fox News contributor, surgeon, professor of health policy at Johns Hopkins School of Public Health, and author of The Price We Pay, What Broke American Health Care. Rather, Dr. McCary, hello. Good to be with you, Joe. I'm glad you're joining me here. Let's let's uh, start off with the the triple demic, if you will. How is that playing out across the United States, Doctor McCary, with RSV, the flu, and of course COVID? Well, we've had a really bad flu season. Really, that's what defines what what we're experiencing. The good news is that uh, the flu has shown signs of peaking around Thanksgiving. Now it's still going around, and a lot of people are sick. But uh, it's really been not a tridemic. What it really is is a bad flu season, and kids uh, experienced a virus called RSV, which is a common childhood virus. They've been sheltered for the last two years, so they got hit hard, as did adults with flu. COVID is really not causing um, meaningful burdens to hospitals at this point. You know, hospitals kind of got caught flat-footed with a nursing shortage crisis. They didn't really anticipate the need for nursing, didn't really invest in nursing education or recruitment, kind of a a penny-wise, pound-foolish in how they nickeled and dimed nursing pay. And then the vaccine mandates resulted in a small exodus of nurses. So all that put together, there's not enough nurses to go around. So that's why hospitals are struggling in part right now. Dr. McCary, as as we are in this stage of COVID, and as you said, uh, it's really not a massive problem right now, and we seem to be kind of out of out of it, or or as out of it as we're going to be. Um, as we look back upon the the last two and a half years or so, I would imagine you would note a a number of mistakes made. Well, uh, there were significant mistakes, but even worse, the agency that Dr. Fauci directs did not do the definitive research to settle these open questions. And that kind of marked our entire pandemic response. Rather than doing the definitive research to provide the evidence to answer these big COVID questions, they decided to rule by opinion. They ruled by opinion on natural immunity, on masks, on boosters for young people, on the vaccine for six-month-old babies on so many questions where they had the opportunity to provide evidence, uh, they chose not to move that way. So take, for example, when COVID first hit, Dr. Fauci thought it was spread from touching surfaces. And so he broadcasted that. 
wash your hands like crazy. Why not do the definitive research? And in 24 hours, with all the might of his $6 billion in funding and his state-of-the-art uh, virus research laboratories, do in 24 hours the definitive experiment to show that it's airborne. Instead, as I'll describe in an op-ed I have coming out uh, later this week, um, to, to uh, you know, because his last day is Saturday, um, instead they had a study come out a year and a half later in a hamster showing that it was airborne. Now, that's not moving at normal people's speed. That's moving at gov- government speed. We're talking to Dr. Marty McCary. He's a Fox News contributor, surgeon, and a professor at Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. Uh, as you alluded, uh, Dr. Fauci's last day is Saturday. Uh, what do you suppose his legacy is going to be? Well, unfortunately, people um, read their own curated news. So for half of America, he's a hero. And for half of America, they've been significantly disturbed by how he was a part of the restriction bandwagon that closed schools, that insisted on covering the faces of young people, that made a promise that we were not going to have vaccine mandates, a promise that Joe Biden himself said verbatim. Um, And then that promise was then broken. So a lot of people feel that he has not been a good leader. My biggest concern is that the agency that he's led has really not answered the big questions throughout the pandemic. Take, for example, vitamin D. Vitamin D was just shown in a large, conclusive study to lower COVID mortality. It just came out two months ago. Why are we learning about this now? That is their job. Their job, Dr. Fauci's job, is not to be a public health official, if you read the job description for his successor in the job posting, it says to respond rapidly to um, infectious diseases matters. So um, that is, I think, a part of government that's broken. Now, fresh leadership may help. Um, I personally think the simple solution we should all rally around in the United States, something we can flip like a switch, is to remove the gag order on doctors and scientists that work at the NIH and FDA and CDC. We've got tens of thousands of doctors and scientists there. They're not allowed to speak to the media. It's martial law. And you cannot have an open scientific debate when a reporter is not allowed to ask, you know, the number three person at one of these agencies what they think. And that's been what I've learned has been probably the biggest um, uh, uh, source of problems in in this entire response is the lack of ability to have an open conversation. And the censorship now that we're learning about fits that whole narrative. Dr. McCary, last question here for you. I remember when I was a kid, uh, probably high school, I remember there was some sort of discussion going on about the government and trusting the government. And I remember being so breathtakingly naive. I know the audience is about to laugh, uh, but I was so breathtakingly naive as a, as a child that I, that I said, why would the government ever lie to us? And, and now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, <laughs> why wouldn't the government lie to us? Um, but, but 
for those of us who aren't doctors, which is, you know, the majority of the United States, uh, we aren't doctors. So we have to place our trust in healthcare experts th- that have studied this their entire lives. And then we're stuck with, uh, you know, a Dr. Fauci who's who has twisted and turned uh, at, at every corner. How do we know who to trust? Uh, for those of us who aren't doctors, who, who rely on others for health care advice, who do we trust? Well, that's why exactly why I think it's important for the NIH, CDC, and FDA to remove their gag order that does not allow their scientists to speak to the public or to the press. If you could hear some very nuanced arguments by top people in the field, people who their entire career is public health and public health policy and, and um, infectious diseases, people would hear a very lively debate. And it wouldn't be a debate about try to go out and get COVID. Nobody's saying that. It would be about, you know, the vaccine risk-benefit analysis may not be there in a young, healthy child. The debate would be around a majority opinion that natural immunity is protective against severe disease, especially when you've had natural immunity from a variant that's recent. But um, that's that's been absent. So <laughs> I, I know people are getting very angry at Dr. Fauci. I'd encourage people not to get cynical and not to blame one individual. The problem is we have this massive bureaucracy with good people that were not allowed to speak up and with one small oligarchy of like-minded people who decided to rule by opinion and dogma rather than doing the definitive research. Dr. Fauci, I truly believe, loves this country. I know people disagree with me. I think he's a gentleman. He intends well, but he lives in a bubble, and the relationship with Big Pharma is way too cozy. Yeah. Really, sometimes, I don't know if it's Pfizer and Moderna calling the shots or the, the White House. Um, a lot of times. Yeah. But, the, you know, but these are the big issues that I think people need to be aware of. Great information, Dr. Marty McCary. I know that your time is very limited with us here today. Thank you so much for it and for uh, enlightening our listeners here uh, this morning. Doctor, thank you so much. You bet, Joe. Nice talking with you. Pleasure's mine. My name is Joe Kelly. You can join us at 866-408-7669. We'll take some of your phone calls in the next segment. Whatever's on your mind today, come on. It's the week between Christmas and New Year's. Whatever you have on your chest, get it off your chest right now. 866-408-7669. That's 866-408-7669. You can go to briankilmeadshow.com. I'm Joe Kelly, and we'll have more of The Brian Kilmeade Show coming up next. Stay there. There's no topic he won't touch. And there's no opinion he won't engage. It's one of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I've never been a big San Francisco fan at all. You know, I know what you mean. It's a little clicky. Pretentious as right? Being in the tech industry, everybody is the smartest in the world if you live in Silicon Valley. It's the kind of place that's like, oh, I know you think you're smarter, but you're not. First of all, you're not smarter than the people in Tulsa. Right. Who come to my show anyway. Right. And they're a whole lot more fun. 
I mean, the attitudes, I mean, it's just like, we're tech bros. We're tech bros. Of course we're smarter. You know, we went to Harvard. We went to MIT. We're in tech. You just can't hang, right? You don't know what the f*** is going on. I, I do all I can not to let any of my investments work out of Silicon well, Valley. Mark Cuban there as a guest uh, of Bill Maher talking about the, the tech world in the San Francisco Valley. Uh, you can uh, join us at 866-408-7669. My name is Joe Kelly. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. BK is taking a few days off. He'll be back with you in the new year. So stick around for that. We just talked to, in the last segment with uh, with Dr. Marty McCary, and, and I asked him, you know, who do you trust? Who are we supposed to trust uh, when it comes to health officials? So I'll, I'll throw it out to you. Who do you trust? I mean, who who is your go-to health official? I will tell you that. Uh, generally, it's it's my primary health care physician. I go to my primary, and depending on what she says, uh, then, then I am inclined to, to do that. Uh, but I, I've got a weird, kind of a weird uh, side thing here, if you will, in that I, I've got a, a childhood friend. We have been friend, friends since high school, which <coughs> was a few years ago. <coughs> and uh, she she lives in Texas and she is a doctor. And I I remember contacting her. She she uh, she told me the best way to prevent from catching covid is ivermectin. And I remember at the time, uh, that was when Donald Trump got blasted for saying ivermectin. And, and of course, you know, you, you, you wonder if your health officials are right. And then suddenly, my, my dear friend, who I don't know if I pointed out, is a doctor. She is a, a lifelong doctor and, and still practices. And uh, she said that both she and her daughter were taking daily ivermectin. And I was like, Really? And she said, you should really go start taking ivermectin. And I was like, oh, I don't want to to start taking that. I'll take my chances. Uh, And I will tell you that I I got the vaccine back when uh, everybody was talking about getting the vaccine. I've not been boosted. I've not had any other shots since. And I got to be honest with you, I don't know that I will. I don't know that I'm going to get any more shots uh, for COVID or anything else like that, uh, knowing what we know now. It is interesting uh, and troubling, frankly, that so many, not all, not all, but so many of the conspiracy theories about COVID uh, ended up being true. I mean, we've learned, we've certainly learned a lot since the first people rolled up their sleeves uh, to get that shot. And I am disinclined to get any more shots beyond what I already had. And I don't want to say I regret getting the vaccine because I did get COVID after uh, getting the vaccine. And I, I don't know that my COVID wouldn't have been worse. I, don't, I just don't know. Uh, my symptoms were uh, were pretty mild, but then I was able to get the uh, monoclonal antibodies. That was back when Governor DeSantis was making that available to Floridians until Joe Biden stepped in and pulled the supply from the Sunshine State, not letting us have uh, any more of the monoclonal antibodies. But the time I did catch COVID, uh, the, the, the day my symptoms showed up, I went down to get the monoclonal antibodies, and by the very next day, my symptoms were gone, absolutely gone. And at the same time, my wife caught COVID. I, I'm a generous man. I gave my wife COVID. Yes, I think, I'm, I think I can safely say that I gave her COVID. And she did not 
go get the monoclonal antibodies. And she was sick for the whole week. And finally, towards the end of the week, I said, honey, that is enough. I'm going to make you an appointment. We're going to go get you monoclonal antibodies. And by the we got up the shots for her in the morning. It's uh, it was four shots. And then by that night, her symptoms had gone away. The monoclonal antibodies really, really worked in that scenario. Uh, but beyond beyond that, I, 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 I have no desire, no plans to get any more shots, no matter what the government may suggest to us. I, I'm just not down for that anymore. Uh, Amazon announcing that they will begin making shipment deliveries with drones to customers in Lockford, California, and College Station, Texas. Go Aggies! Giga Maggies! Amazon calls their drone delivery Prime Air. They're working with the FAA and local officials in Lockford and College Station to start the service. Their goal is to deliver packages under five pounds in less than 60 minutes. Because, gosh, if you're buying something, i got to have it right now. Meanwhile, Walmart has launched a drone delivery service for customers in Florida, Texas, and Arizona as the grocery chain expands their delivery options. In fact, customers in Dallas, Phoenix, Tampa, and Orlando are able to get same-day delivery via drone. Their goal, uh, they use drone up. Uh, their goal is to deliver 10 pounds of items within 30 minutes for a $3.99 fee. You know, I am going to order something today. Since Orlando is on that list, I'm going to order something today from Walmart and see if it arrives via drone. I, I am dying to see uh, what that experience looks like. Of course, I live in an apartment that's a high-rise. I don't think they could deliver uh, to my back patio. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think I'd have to have it delivered to work or somewhere else at that point. My name is Joe Kelly. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll continue with more of your calls and comments coming up at 866-408-7669. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Joe Kelly. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm coming to you from the Florida Freedom Zone here in beautiful yet chilly Orlando, Florida, where right now it is 54 degrees. We did get down to uh, sub-freezing on Christmas Day. It was about 30 degrees or so. It's our coldest Christmas uh, in the Orlando area in some 20 years now. Uh, Yeah, it's it's cold. But... um, when learning that some 60 people have died up in Buffalo, the, the New York State area, uh, I, this is just an, anno- uh, an annoyance for us. It's an inconvenience for us. Uh, it is deadly up in New York. So my, my heart goes out to those who have – and I can't even imagine. And I, I don't know if, if you ever think about death and dying, but I, I do. And I think freezing to death would be just about the worst possible way to go. Uh, so keep those families in your in your prayers uh, because they're dealing with a lot of grief right now. Let's go to uh, Vito, who's joining us from Staten Island. Vito, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Joe Kelly. How are you? How are you, Mr. Kelly? I do live in Staten Island, but I, I currently am in Hollis Center, Maine. I am a trucker, and I am just waiting uh, on a on a delivery that I have to pick up. The Knights um, of the Road. 
Eh, I'm in dry, but I'm only doing this for six months. But the reason why I called when I was listening to what you were saying, um, in November of uh, 2021, around Thanksgiving, I came down with COVID really bad. I was not a vaxxer for that. I did not trust it. I did not. I was the sharpest knife in high school. And I know that when a vaccine comes out, it takes decades almost for it yeah. to be released to the general public. And I couldn't understand why President Trump uh, would allow this, but he's not a doctor. He surrounded himself by people who, you know, were experts in the field, and I guess that's how he operates. But that aside, um, I even was refusing to get the monoclonals, which I heard a lot of good things about. My daughter is an RN. I had a doctor, a doctor friend of mine, a doctor DeVagno. He's in Jersey. He called me up. They basically convinced me to go get it. And I got to tell you, within three hours of getting those uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. that that one bag of treatment, yeah. which wasn't a lot, it was a small bag, I had uh, the, I had 104 fever up until that point. My fever was almost redu- was reduced to about 101. I I got my smell back and I got my uh, I got some taste back. Um, Isn't that amazing how in, quickly that works? It was unbelievable. When I walked in, I was literally. Um, I was um, holding on to a bar, crawling in into the emergency room. And when yeah. I walked out, my wife was like, what the hell happened with you? You look like a new man. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm telling you, this stuff is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, as far as my senses go, the taste, I, I hadn't eaten much. I lost, uh, I lost about 20 pounds uh, while I was sick. I was sick for about 10 days. And right after I left the hospital, I said to her, I says, Let's go uh, to White Castles. Let's go eat. I want to get a burger. That's right. You got your appetite back because you got your smell back. I got the smell back, but the taste didn't come back fully, and I, I couldn't. I couldn't enjoy the White Castles. Burger. Is it? Is it back now? Oh yeah, I'm. Okay. I'm, I'm. I'm fine. I, you know, um, I had. I did have the flu last month. Um, I, you know, thought it was COVID. I didn't think. I wasn't 100 percent sure, but you know. I went and got tested. I went to my GP. You know, they're saying, well, um, you, you, you know, the fact that you don't have or, or that you don't have uh, your, your smell and taste doesn't mean you have COVID. I'm like, you know, they're constantly changing things around. So so who vetoed to, to answer the bigger question that I had asked? Who do you trust when it comes to getting sound medical advice? I trust myself based on what's been going on. Uh, we do know for a fact that this vaccine was never tested on any human beings, and that came out of the European Commission when they did their their uh, hearings or whatever it is that they did. A person from uh, a, re- a Pfizer representative did say we never tested this on any humans. Wow. Well, I think in hindsight, you know, when. When we first started taking the shots, I mean, I was really clear on the radio and I said, you know, this is a personal decision and I don't begrudge anybody uh, that makes the decision to get the shot or to not get the shot. Uh, I don't think any anybody is e- either right or wrong. It is simply a personal decision. And as you look back at your personal decision, Vito, do, do you do you stand by it or do you do you wish you had got the vaccine? I will. I will never ever get an mrna vaccine never ever um again like you said it's a personal issue uh if you want to get it fine but don't uh you know i i I wasn't vaccinated okay and and i know i approached people who were 
And when they saw me come near them, they were cringing because mm. they knew I wasn't vaccinated. But they were. How interesting. Vito, thank you so much. I'm so glad you called. Thanks for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm Joe Kelly. You can join us at 866-408-7669. You can go to the Brian, uh, go to uh, You can find me online at Talk Radio Joe. That's on Twitter. Uh, that is on Facebook, that is on Instagram, that is on Truth Social, uh, pretty much any of the social media platforms, including uh, YouTube. You'll find me as Talk Radio Joe on YouTube. I want to spend a moment talking about a representative-elect out of New York, a Republican. His name is George Santos. He has admitted now to embellishing his words, embellishing his resume including his education and work experience. Embellishing a resume. You know, you embellish your Tinder profile. You embellish your Grindr profile. You embellish your, your, um, you know, other dating app profiles. You don't embellish your resume. I mean, haven't we learned yet that you don't lie on your resume? that these things are going to be figured out. Now, oddly, in this case, there must have been no opposition research because it wasn't figured out until the guy got elected. George Santos, Republican from New York, says, I am not a criminal, telling the New York Post. This will not deter me from having a good legislative session. I will be effective. I will be good. He says, my sins here are embellishing my resume. I'm sorry. You know, but if people elected you on your resume... On, on what you have touted as your experience, that's all a fraud, dude. That is a fraud. This guy should, should resign and there should be a special election to replace him. He has admitted now that he never worked directly for Goldman Sachs or Citigroup, which he claimed he did, calling such claims a poor choice of words. <laughs> oh, that's one way to phrase it. Someone might also call it a lie instead of a poor choice of words. He also admitted that he never graduated from college, as he had claimed, saying, I did not graduate from any institution of higher learning. I'm embarrassed and sorry for having embellished my resume. I own up to that. Again, embellish equals lies. He says we do stupid things in life. Well, yes, we do do stupid things in life. And most of those are isolated to when we are young and stupid. Whereas Santos, I think he's 34. You should know better than to lie on your resume when you're 34 years old. Um, He was elected on November 8th. This is his first year. He claimed, I mean, listen how absurd this guy gets. He claimed his mother was Jewish and escaped Nazis during World War II. He told the Post, I never claimed to be Jewish. I'm Catholic because I learned my maternal family had a Jewish background. I said I was Jew hyphen ish. (laughs) Not Jewish. Jew ish. I'm Jew ish. You know, I'm gosh, I am sorry, but you're you're lying on your resume. You're lying about your faith. How is this guy going to be allowed to take the oath of office and to join the U.S. House? I know he's Republican. We like Republicans. But darn it, lying on your resume is unacceptable, particularly 
that kind of a lie. You know, if, if you're fudging the dates by a little bit to close the gap on, you know, maybe some missing years on your resume, maybe you didn't work for a couple of years during the pandemic and you want to kind of close the gap, um, th- th- that's an embellishment. When you're adding a college education that you did not earn, when you're announcing an ethnicity or religion to which you do not belong, when you're saying that you work for companies Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, it is a lie. You are a liar, and you sh- you that bodes poorly for your future in the U.S. Congress. If you're going to lie to get into Congress, then lying clearly is not a problem for you. So you'll you'll certainly lie again, I'm certain. 866-408-7669. I would call for his immediate impeachment. If he's not going to resign, I would call for his immediate impeachment sanctioning. I If I was uh, in the U.S. House, if I was in charge of the House, I would definitely do something to punish this guy, uh, uh, including kicking him out of the U.S. Congress. You can join me now here on The Brian Kilmeade Show at 866-408-7669. We're also talking about who you trust when it comes to your health care information. Let's go to Dave in New Jersey. You're on The Brian Kilmeade Show with Joe Kelly. Hey, Dave, how are you? Good, Joe. Um, I just wanted to talk a little about Fauci and the, and the uh, COVID shot. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I've never gotten a flu shot. I'm 66 years old, and I don't see the reasoning why you would get one. Um, and every other shot you ever got in your life, it was to protect you from the disease, not to protect you from other people who might have the disease. Yeah, that was a weird part of the of the COVID vaccine, wasn't it? And it, it, it's obvious it doesn't work. I mean, I feel sorry for people who got the ones with the MNRAs in it. But I, I would like to say that before Fauci showed up on the scene, um, there wasn't an AIDS epidemic. There wasn't a Zinka problem. Wait, 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 wait. So are you saying that that Dr. Fauci is responsible for AIDS? I just want to say we got AIDS. You got Zinka virus. You got monkey pox. We got COVID. We got MRSA. You you can't think that that Anthony Fauci somehow released all those into the marketplace. I don't know, but I don't trust that guy. He looks like a, a, a maniacal evil person and he lies through his teeth about everything he's got little man's disease he should walk around with his shirt his hand in his shirt like napoleon (laughs) well i i would suggest that uh that while dr fauci has certainly told a number of lies and has certainly misled the american people time and time again uh, i think you you might might be a bridge too far to suggest that uh, dr fauci is responsible for monkey pox and for MRSA and for all of those other things. Dave, thank you so much for calling. I do appreciate that. Let's go to Las Vegas. Kadon Brent is on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Joe Kelly. Hi, Brent. Hey, Joe. Hey, man, I love you, man, as much as I love Brian. Thank um, you. You're awesome. I'm just going to say who I don't trust, and I don't trust the media. I don't trust Big Pharma, and I don't trust anyone in the United States government. Um, I'm uh, unapologetically unvaccinated. And, yeah, we did go through a lot of, you know, hazing. But uh, I was in the military for 23 years, so oh, I'm not yeah. an anti-vaxxer. Right. Um, I'm, more, I'm more vaccinated than 99.9% of Americans, but I just really, really don't trust this one. Just don't. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. Brent, thank you so much. I'm so so glad you called there in Las Vegas and the high desert. I'm Joe Kelly in for Brian Kilmeade. You can join me at 866-408-7669. Coming up next, we'll take more of your phone calls. You can join us right now. We do have an open line at 866-408-7669. Stay right where you are. More of your thoughts and comments coming up next right here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmeade coming up. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Oh, man, football star J.J. Watt. Four minutes ago, tweeting, Koa's first NFL game, that's his son, my last ever NFL home game. My heart is filled with nothing but love and gratitude. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. Well, that sounds like breaking news. It sounds like J.J. Watt is announcing his retirement from the NFL. It was a great game with the uh, the Cardinals. Uh, the Bucks game was great. For Bucks fans, but it was uh, it was an ugly, ugly win. But it was a win at least. My name is Joe Kelly. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. You can join me now at eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. You get more deets at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Let's go to Ed in Staten Island on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Ed, you're on with Joe Kelly. How are you? Oh, hey, Joe. I'm great. How are you? Very good, thanks. I got a message for Vito, my uh, neighbor from Staten Island. Yeah. You did the right thing, pal. Don't get the vaccine. I got the vaccine, and then the second one, and then three weeks later, I ended up in the ER. I spent six days in the hospital. I couldn't feel my feet. I developed neuropathy in my feet, and then they sent me to a nursing home. And then there they said I got COVID, so they gave me my own private room. And the nurses would come in. They were sweet. They would they were working 16 hours a day, double shifts. And they knew I was cool. They'd come in, they'd sit in the chair, and they'd watch TV, and I wouldn't rat them out. And nobody would come in the room because it said COVID, COVID, COVID all over the door. Wow. And they told me uh, when I was leaving that I never really had COVID. It was a scam to get more money out of the government. Mm-hmm. So, you know. I- all right, Ed, thank you so much for that. Let's go to Kathy in Westchester, New York. Kathy, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you? Um, I love listening to you guys. You're, you're all great. Thank you. Um, two things. One, about this COVID vaccine. Let, let me just say I'm not anti-vax. My kids have all of their vaccines, everything. My problem with this COVID vax was that they they pushed it on fear, and they got everybody so worked up on it. Yeah. And I sat there and looked at things like when when they developed the flu shot, they had six negative reactions, six and they pulled the flu vaccine to, to test it for safety and everything. This COVID vaccine just got pushed on everybody with no testing, no anything. And now it's and it still is. People need to go to jail at this point because now the date is out. And like my daughter's looking for colleges and half her choices she can't even apply to because they're requiring this vaccine now. None of my kids have been vaccinated. They've all had COVID. I've had COVID. We've all got the antibodies for it. We've had it once. People, my family members have been vaccinated. They've had it two and three times. It's insane what's going on with this vaccine. It's made 19 billionaires. Maybe that's what what people should look at what's pushing this vaccine. 
it certainly it certainly seems to have made a lot of people really, really wealthy. Kathy, thank you so much. Uh, let's go to Winter Haven, Florida. Judy is on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, Judy. Just a moment here of time for you. Okay, hi. Hi. Uh, I'm one of those people, hi. I'm one of those people who had the vaccine, was kind of forced to because I do a lot of volunteer work with therapy dogs in nursing homes. And unfortunately, I have now what's called post-vaccine inflammatory syndrome, and I've been oh boy. sick for almost two years. Wow. That is, I, I hate to hear that, uh, Judy. That is That, uh, that stinks. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, and, uh, of course, we will continue. My name is Joe Kelly. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Get more details. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com. You can call 866-408-7669. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest-growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade. Well, this is news that broke just in the last 10 minutes as one of the one of the greatest defensive linemen of all time in the NFL announces his retirement. J.J. Watt, uh, who, who, of course, played this weekend with the uh, the Cardinals and was fantastic. Uh, he uh, the, one of the things I like most about J.J. Watt is just his philanthropy. Uh, he uh, if you recall, during Hurricane Harvey, when he played for Houston, uh, he had set a goal of raising two hundred thousand dollars to help Houston recover. He raised instead thirty seven million dollars, including a hundred thousand. He personally donated. I just uh, I love his heart. And the NFL is going to certainly miss the heart of J.J. Watt. My name is Joe Kelly, filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. Of course, it's the week between Christmas and New Year's, so BK is spending time with his family and his uh, three massive dogs. You can join us at 866-408-7669. First, though, I want to go to Nate Foy, uh, Fox News correspondent, and he is joining us from Kiev, Ukraine. Nate, uh, all the way across the other side of the planet, thank you for joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade. Show. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Joe. How are you? Thanks for having me. Of, of course. Give us the latest on the ground there, if you will, in, in Ukraine, uh, as far as the war with Russia is going. Well, today the big story is the foreign ministers from both countries sort of laying out what it would take for them to negotiate a possible end to the war. And the key takeaway is that they're absolutely nowhere close to each other just talking past each other at this point. Russia maintains that uh, Ukraine will have to give up a fifth of its land and pose absolutely no military threat to Russia, whereas Ukraine has had a consistent belief the entire war that every Russian soldier will have to leave its territory, which would include Crimea, uh, before the war can end. And obviously that's a non-starter for Russia. And then, you know, on the backdrop of that, you have both presidents talking about possible peace negotiations, but at the same time, there's strikes happening in Ukraine. Uh, and then there was also a strike yesterday morning in Russia at an air base that Ukraine hasn't taken official credit for, but uh, they did call it a result of the Russian aggression. So both leaders and governments are, are starting to float around the idea of, of talking about peace, but their actions are proving otherwise right now. Now, as you as you know, here in the United States, we're having a severe cold front uh, that is that is caused up to upwards of 60 deaths so far here in the United States. Now, the winter in Ukraine is uh, runs December to March. And I know that the winter plays a big part uh, when it comes to the strategy on the battlefield. Can you kind of loop us in to to the weather conditions there and how that might change this war? 
So I was expecting it to be a little bit colder than it's been. We're expecting the temperatures to plunge here pretty soon. But since I've been here, which is now about four weeks, it's been hovering around freezing. There's been a couple of days where it's you know dipped below 20, but uh, it hasn't been zero degrees. But when you're talking about 9 million people in Ukraine as of last night in President Zelensky's address who don't have power, uh, temperatures that are, are freezing or below freezing, obviously, is very problematic. We have governors in, in the Russian-occupied areas in the east saying that trees are disappearing from cities because people there are using all the wood they can find to heat their homes. And wow. It's definitely a, a really desperate situation in Ukraine's east and, and parts of the south as well. Here in Kyiv, uh, Kyiv is one of five regions in the country that has limits on on how much power that you can use and you know they have utility crews working around the clock to try to restore the power grid as quickly as they can uh, we had three strikes pretty uh consecutively here in kiev but the most recent one was december 19th which i believe was a week from yesterday so uh, there, there's been a bit of a lull thankfully here in kiev and there's there's worries that that maybe russia will retaliate with more airstrikes after that air base deep in Russia was targeted with what Russian officials are saying was a Ukrainian drone, because it's the second time that that specific air base has been targeted this month. The first time was December 5th, and after that, Russia launched retaliatory airstrikes. So we haven't seen that this time around, but a lot of people are, are paying attention to the air raid sirens and, and keeping an eye to the sky. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. We're talking to reporter Nate Foy. Uh, you'll find him online at Foy Meets World, which is the greatest Twitter handle I've ever seen. <laughs> I, 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 I want to change my last name to Foy so I can come up with something similar. Um, is anybody talking about a, a, a humanitarian crisis there? I know that many civilians fled the country as the war was getting started, uh, but but – is there a humanitarian crisis there? Absolutely, uh, especially in Ukraine's east. All the regional governors there are just talking about how horrible it's been for the citizens, you know, specifically of, of Bakhmut. That's kind of the, the symbolic city that everyone is talking about right now because it's been the focus of, of Russia's aggression since May. And just off the top of my head, I believe that the the pre-population or the, the population pre-war in Bakhmut was about 80,000 and right now it's down to about 12,000 and people there don't have anything they, they don't have power they don't have water um, here in Kiev the situation is better but you know the power deficiency rate here is is about 50 percent so people's lives are, are certainly disrupted here in Kiev I wouldn't say that it's it's near the same level that we're seeing in Ukraine's east but you mentioned so many people have fled those those Russian occupied territories or even the contested territories in the east and south and they've come to places like Kyiv and and you know Lviv out in the west but you have a, a, a lot of children that are suffering a lot of you know older people who who don't have the means to leave or, yeah. or maybe they don't have any family members or, or friends that can take them in. So absolutely. Tons of people don't have power. Nine million people don't have power. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's winter in Ukraine. That right there constitutes a humanitarian crisis.
Nate Foy is on the line from Kiev, Ukraine. And Nate, for those of us who just can't figure out what the purpose of war actually is, I've seen you know some of the videos uh, of some of these cities in Ukraine. I mean, they are utterly obliterated. They they are destroyed. And I think you know if Russia is trying to take over this land, what is it that they're going to have if they're successful? Because they have destroyed every building, every city. I mean, it is scorched earth. And then for the Ukrainians, I mean, at this point, they're fighting for the rubble that is left of their cities. I, I, I know and I fully understand and appreciate the principles of protecting your borders. But, man, they are just destroying everything. It'll take decades to to rebuild Ukraine. It certainly will. And the Ukrainians, just from from speaking to them while we've been here, for them, the fight is is not about, you know, the buildings. Obviously, they, they feel a lot of anger with, you know, the disruptions to their way of life with the attacks on critical infrastructure and, and all that. But, I mean, they're defending their country. It's it's such a, a visceral thing that um, it, it just has deep meaning to them. And, and they take so much pride in their heritage and um, – I, I see a lot of motivation. I, I see anything but a lack of motivation on the Ukrainian side, and, and we you know, don't have the same access uh, to the Russian side. But I, I, I can predict that if Russia were to be successful, they would have a hard time winning the cultural war that would ensue after you know occupying these territories. And, and we're even seeing in the territories that Russia has you know taken, Kherson, for example, uh, that they can't hold on to some of these areas after they, they occupy it for a period of time. Other areas, you know, Russia has been a little more successful. But um, I, the point that I'm making is, is that the Ukrainians will continue to fight back. And that's why it's it's really difficult to see this war ending anytime soon, absent any major, you know, shift or, or events that, that would be difficult to predict right now. And there's talks. Ukraine is saying they want a, a UN peace summit coming up in February, but before they negotiate with Russia directly, they're demanding that Russia face a war crimes tribunal. And who who knows if that's going to happen? Uh, likely won't. So, at what point are these two sides going to bridge the massive gap between w- what they are demanding to end the war? And I. I don't see it ending anytime soon, but I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong too, Nate. Uh, we're talking to Nate Foy from Kiev, Ukraine. Last question for you, Nate, and this one's personal. Uh, as I don't need to remind you that uh, quite a few journalists have died this year covering uh, stories, many of whom have died in Ukraine. Uh, tell me about your personal safety. Are, are, I, do, do, do you feel safe? Do you, are you confident going out? Uh, do, do you have protection of some sort? I feel as safe as we can be. You know, there, there's obviously an underlying threat anytime that you're in a country that's at war. But Fox gives us just top of the line everything. We have an awesome security team. You know, I, I got the body armor and the helmet anytime that we, we leave the hotel. And there's protocol in place where, you know, for example, I think it was the 16th where it was the largest missile strike on Kiev throughout the entire war. And we can't leave the hotel until the air raid sirens give us the all clear. 
So whenever there's incoming, you have about a 20-minute buffer zone where you can find someplace safe. We have this underground parking garage at our hotel that's very safe, and you just kind of wait it out at the hotel, and, and then once the air raid sirens give you the all-clear, you bring your body armor and your helmet, and, and you venture out. But you're never too, too far from the hotel, and you're very careful, and you, you make a risk assessment, and you, you plan for everything that you can foresee that could possibly go wrong and how you would react in that situation. So um, I feel safe here. Uh, obviously, like I said, there is, there is a risk, but um, it's, it's as safe as it can be. And I'm very grateful uh, that, that Fox has provided everything possible to keep us safe. I am so glad to hear that, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're confident in your safety there. But if it's okay with you, we're going to pray for your safety uh, in the days ahead I to make sure that you. that you continue to stay safe there. Nate Foy, Fox News correspondent. You'll find him online at Foy Meets World, and he's joining us live from Kiev, Ukraine. Nate, it, it has been an honor and a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for briefing Brian's audience on what's happening on the ground there in Ukraine. Thank you for having me, Joe. Have a great day. You too, buddy. Stay safe. You can join us at 866-408-7669. We'll get back to more of your phone calls coming up in just a moment. Then at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to Fox News contributor, former chairman of the House Oversight Committee, Jason Chavitz. Congressman Chaffetz is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. I'm looking forward to that discussion as well. And we will continue with the Brian Kilmeade Show coming up next. Stay right there. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. To get down to the nitty and gritty, I'm not a fraud. I'm not a, a criminal who defrauded the entire country and made up this fictional character and ran for Congress. That is uh, Representative-elect George Santos. He's a Republican from New York, admitting now that he embellished his resume, including his education and work experience. Says He says, I'm not a criminal. Uh, but, but how is he not a fraud when he made up working at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup? He made up that he graduated from college. He did not. Uh, he says he's embarrassed for having embellished his resume. I own that. It's not an embellishment when it's a lie. And it's a lie. He also uh, claimed that his mother was Jewish and escaped Nazis during World War II. He uh, told the New York Post, I never claimed to be Jewish. I am Catholic because I learned my maternal family had a Jewish background. I said I was Jew-ish, Jew-ish. You know, Jew, eh, I'm Jew-ish. I, I just I'm, – I'm embarrassed for this guy, and I frankly think that he should resign immediately because that was the resume he ran on, and it was a fraud. And it's embarrassing that whoever his opponent was failed to figure this stuff out during opposition research. That, that should have been vetted. That should have been figured out before the guy got elected. Now that the guy got elected, I, I, I frankly think he should resign in embarrassment for having lied on his resume. Let's go to New Jersey. Ruth, you're joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Joe Kelly. Hi, Ruth. How are you? I am fine. Thank you. Um, good morning. I'd like to talk about another man who also embellishes his resume. Go ahead. These are, these are some of his embellishments. Number one, I graduated near the top of my class. Number two, 
I marched in the Civil Rights March with MLK. Number three, I was arrested in South Africa attempting to see Nelson Mandela. Number four, I never talked to my son Mm -hmm. about his business affairs. Number five, the border is closed. Number six. Right. I well, hang on, not. hang on, hang on a second, Ruth. If I, if I may, many of those lies, and I'm not contesting that those were lies. Many of those lies took place after he was elected. The document we're talking about was was you know the one's resume, a political candidate's resume, is is literally the document upon which people cast their votes. They vote for the guy because they think, oh my gosh, he's college educated. He worked at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup. Uh, he uh, his mother escaped the Nazis during World. War II. I mean, it's a great story, but it's all a lie. And they just elected him. He's not even taken the oath of office yet. I I don't think it's too late to say, all right, you're out, bro. Well, I would agree with you there, but I would say that my first three points were all spoken about during his campaign, that he graduated at the top of near the top of his class. Well, yeah, Joe, Joe Biden has been a has been a liar for since the beginning of his campaign, since the beginning of his political career. Uh, it's well established. He's lied and plagiarized. He had to drop out of the presidential race one year after getting caught plagiarizing, stealing other people's words. And and yet he had the, the gall to run again. And the American people elected him. I don't understand that. I, I, I think. I, I I think that lying is frankly one of the one of the worst sins that we have, and and particularly politicians. If they cannot build trust with the American people, uh, then then what what do we have? We don't have anything, Ruth. Um, you're absolutely right, and um, I would just like to make the last comment, which we saw. That's why he hid in his basement. Yep. I do not need to take a cognitive test. <laughs> Embellishments right. are lies, and speaking of lies, the Bible tells us, be sure your sins will find you out. No doubt. No doubt about that, Ruth. Thank you so much. I'm glad you call. Let's go to St. Louis. Marlene is on the Brian Kilmeade Show with Joe Kelly. Hello, Marlene. Hi, great. Thanks for taking my call. I absolutely agree with your previous caller. Nobody should be calling for the resignation of this Mr. Santos. Um, Joe Biden has embellished his whole life story. We are we continue as Republicans to play by a different set of rules and we continue to lose. This Mr. Santos hasn't or has learned that there are no political consequences consequences, excuse me, to embellishment. So why shouldn't he? But shouldn't there but shouldn't there be consequences for lying? It wasn't an embellishment. He was lying. Shouldn't there be consequences for that? Not if the left has no consequences. And my second point is that this concept of physicians as experts, I would suggest to your listeners that I, my husband is a physician. I'm a nurse. Mar- I've done a lot Marlene, of I, I've, I've got to let you go. We're up against a hard break. So sorry about that. But thank you so much for your contributions. Thanks for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm not going to make excuses for this, but a lot of people overstate in their resumes or um, twist a little bit or ingratiate themselves. I'm not saying I'm not guilty of that. 
That audio from 77 WABC as Representative-elect George Santos, Republican, New York, admitting uh, that he has embellished his resume, including his education and work experience. Really, it's not an embellishment. He frankly lied on his resume. I've got a statement here from the Republican Jewish Coalition, which – In other news, there's a Republican Jewish coalition. Uh, But the CEO says, we're very disappointed in Congressman Alexantos. He deceived us and misrepresented his heritage in public statements and to us personally. He previously claimed to be Jewish. He has begun his tenure in Congress on a very wrong note. He will not be welcome at any future RJC event. Of course, he probably won't want to go to any RJC event since he is, in fact, not Jewish. He is Catholic, not Jewish, as he had claimed. My name is Joe Kelly. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. You can join us at 866-408-7669. You'll find out more details when you go to briankilmeadeshow.com. I am really excited about our guest as uh, Congressman Jason Chaffetz joins us live here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. He is now a Fox News contributor, former congressman, of course, f- uh, the uh, He was the chairman of the House Oversight Committee and the author of Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste, The Truth About Disaster Liberalism. You'll find him uh, online at Jason in the House. Jason Chaffetz joins us. Hello, Congressman. How are you, sir? Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm I'm really glad to have you, and uh, b- but we got so much to to ask you about and to talk with you about. But I do want to get your take on this representative-elect George Santos, Republican New York, uh, lying about his his work experience, lying that he said he graduated from college when he did not, and lying that said he was Jewish, uh, only to later say that he was Jew hyphen ish, like Jew, aren't you ish? <laughs> I mean, that, there's a big difference between being Jewish and Jewish. Um, I mean, that, that is a lousy way to enter the Congress on a huge lie on your resume. Yeah, he's not off to a good start. This is not a good look. Um, this isn't some game that, that we're playing here in high school. Um, and, you know, I, where was his opponent? Where was the media? I mean, you right. would think these things would be fairly easy to flush out before the election, but Nevertheless, um, you know, to kind of say, well, you know, other people embellish, you know, and some of this was just a mistake or misunderstanding. You know, mistake is like, you know, you you, you didn't use the proper further and farther. Uh, whoops, sure. I, you know, made a mistake. I didn't know which one to use. Or maybe you I, got that, a date wrong a or something. Yeah, I mean, it, <clears throat> we we all make mistakes, but – I, I think the concern here is the number of them. It wasn't like, hey, it was just one and eh, misinterpreted. Eh, I pushed it a little bit there. But there seems to be so much. I actually listened to that interview on WABC, and uh, it was a good interview. Um, asked direct questions and did not give very convincing answers. Mm. Somebody's got the – I mean, he's, he's come fully clean or go home. I, he's just not – fully telling the story yet, and uh, somebody needs to press him to do that. What could or should happen to him, if anything? Well, look, he, you know, he, he does get seated. He is a duly elected uh, member of Congress. There are plenty of politicians who have lied along the way. Uh, but let that be a lesson to everybody, that there's a reason why the process is rigorous. You're supposed to have an inquisitive, um, intellectually curious media um, but the voters and the opposition, the, the challenger is also, I think, has a duty in this. So 
it's going to have to be, I think, a lesson learned, but I do think he is duly elected and therefore will be seated, although, you know, based on a, a number of fabrications. Uh, the, the, I mean, there's so, – so the Congress is unlikely to punish him in some way, censure him in some way? Yeah, I – that – those censures and the roles of the uh, ethics committee are solely limited to your time in Congress. And if you're a current member of Congress, what you do or don't do in your campaign is, you know, an FEC issue. But again, um, misrepresentation, lying, rare to none. If I, I, I don't know what that would be violating other than basic ethics, norms and, and decency. But I, I think it's horrific. I think it's terrible. Unless he gets shamed out of it, I think he continues to serve. I I don't know where he's effective. I mean, that district in New York is going to be poorly served because, I mean, who wants to work with him? Who yeah. wants to do a bill with him? Who right. wants to have him come speak at their event? Who wants him to – so he's got to dig out of that hole and fast, you know, a full – you know, accounting of what he's done and hasn't done, but I don't know that he has that in him based on what I've heard so far. I know that for most of us, uh, it, with with respectable private sector jobs, if it was found that we had lied on our resumes, most of us would be fired on the spot. Yeah, or you would resign and say, you know, uh, my bad. Uh, yeah, is all my. It wasn't just a mistake. That that's, I guess, what bothers me. Yes. Look, it's up to the people within that district as to what they want to do. If there's a growing demand and, and how bad they're going to pound their fist. And I don't know who he was running against, but, boy, they must have been a fairly poor opponent. To, must have been. To, <laughs> must have been. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. Our guest is Congressman Jason Chaffetz, Fox News contributor, a former chairman of the House Oversight Committee. Uh, let's talk about Kevin McCarthy and, and the next leadership role here in the U.S. House. Um, who do you think is going to be the speaker? Who should be the speaker? Well, the odds-on favorite is that it's going to be Kevin McCarthy. But, you know, I can do the math just like everybody else. When you only have a four-seat margin and you have four people saying – they will absolutely not vote for you. I think that number is probably 15 to 20. Um, I don't know how he solves or resolves that. Somebody's going to have to change. Um, you know, our, our country has gone through this in the past, um, and I don't know what the resolution is. You know, the, the Congress and its organization for Republicans is about a month and a half behind. Because this has been uncertain, they haven't fully gone through their elections of the leadership. They haven't populated their committees, which means they haven't hired the staff, which means, you know, at the end of the day, they're going to be about two months late in the formation here. But who ultimately becomes a speaker? Oh, difficult question. Not crystal clear. We are talking to Jason Chaffetz right now. I'm Joe Kelly in for Brian Kilmeade. And, um, as you well know, the American people are, are so thoroughly divided, and we have been for for years, maybe going back as far as Gore v. Bush, but we have just been terribly divided as a nation. As Republicans take over the House, and Republicans will have subpoena power, they'll have the power to investigate. Uh, you know, we hear some people talking about uh, impeaching um, uh, Mayorkas, impeaching Biden. Um, I would imagine that there's some that think, you know what, it's time to stop going after the other political party whenever the other party is in charge. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what is where do we stand 
as a nation between, you know, letting bygones be bygones and getting our pound of flesh for all the terrible things uh, that we now know about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and Anthony Fauci and everything else. I mean, how aggressive should House investigations be of the of the administration? Well, they need to be ultra uh, uh, aggressive. Um, accountability is one of the principles that I think the American people demand. And remember, the government works for the people. It's not the people that work for the government. And so you have to have uh, an aggressive oversight function. The committee, the oversight committee, for instance, was founded in 1814. And the idea was to oversee every expenditure, everything that happens here. We're unique in the United States. We are self-critical. We do look hard under the rock. And, you know, it's funny how the party will flip-flop, right? Suddenly, the Democrats will don't, they won't take any, you know, hey, let's be unified. We don't need this. We could just, you know, let's just all get along. Funny, they weren't saying that uh, before, um, but now they certainly didn't say it during the Trump administration. Change, yeah, yeah. Um, So, look, the challenge for Republicans is they got to put together a proactive um, uh, policies that the American people say, "Yeah, that you're being the adults in the room." At the same time, you can hold the administration accountable. You you can dive deep into these things. You can walk and chew gum. And uh, it would be malpractice to just let everything slide in the name of unity. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, you know, I'm here in Orlando, Florida, here in the Florida Freedom Zone, and uh, we, we, we have uh, – we, we're really vested in the next presidential election just like all the rest all right. of the states are. But, but if we lose our governor, uh, you know, we, that, that's a bigger deal to Florida than it is to the other 49. Uh, Trump versus DeSantis, what are your thoughts? Well, look, if the scenario is such that uh, Ron DeSantis prevails and does become the next president of the United States, which I think is very realistic, um, look, we're going to gain a president even though Florida may be losing a governor. So um, the greater good would, would, would be in that. I don't know how these things sort out. You never want to uh, dismiss or underestimate uh, Donald Trump. Amazing following. I think he was a great president as it relates to policy. I think the policy that he put in place was uh, I'd love to hear Republicans say what they disagree with. Um, How you do things matters in this country. Um, And I think there are a lot of people that are are tired of the bombardment and the name calling. They much rather talk about the policy. And um, he has withstood Donald Trump has withstood everybody coming at him. with all guns ablazing every time. And and. they generally don't find anything wrong with him. Just I, as and, and Donald so Trump I, said, he could go out onto you know Fifth Avenue, whatever is it, Sixth Avenue, and shoot somebody in the head, and people would still support him. And when he said that, I thought, oh, that's absurd. But uh, you know, since that time, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. He probably could do that. Yeah, let's hope he doesn't do that. Right? But, yeah. You know, that's kind of the. Yeah, but I I know what the illustration is that he's trying to put forward is he does have a base of supporters that are pivotal to winning an election, Uh, not only the nomination, but an election in general. You want and need those people to show up and vote for you. I mean, look at Georgia and the Senate races. It's just those people are critical. So um, I don't know where this goes. Um, I know it's going to change a whole bunch and a whole lot. Be interesting to see who else gets in the race. But at this point, yeah, I think Ron DeSantis has as strong of a position and an argument 
it's just about anybody else out there. We are talking to a regular fill-in host for Brian Kilmeade. That is uh, former Congressman Jason Chaffetz. I'm Joe Kelly. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming up in just a moment, if you can stay with us, Congressman, uh, I want to ask you about the social media and the DOJ censorship and whether that's going to be investigated. Uh, But if you could stay right there, we will continue with Congressman Jason Chaffetz on the other side. Stay right where you are. You can call in at 866-408-7669. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Clearly, the the relationship was to suppress free speech. I mean, ultimately, it was under the guise of uh, reducing foreign influence, uh, I guess, in American elections, especially in 2020. But you just saw the DHS, DOD, uh, CIA, FBI, and, 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 and state governments and the Democrat National Committee all had an, a door into Twitter that they could moderate uh, accounts that they disagreed with or felt were, were uh, too effective in communicating uh, an opposing viewpoint to what they felt should be on the platform. And, you know, Twitter was clearly the right hand of uh, the federal government in moderating speech. From Fox and Friends this morning, that is Matt Whitaker, former acting attorney general on uh, Twitter, being uh, the right hand of the government in moderating speech. I'm Joe Kelly. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. You'll find me online at Talk Radio Joe. I'm joined now by uh, Congressman Jason Chaffetz, uh, former Congressman Jason Chaffetz, and he is a Fox News contributor, former chairman of the House Oversight Committee, author of Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste, The Truth About Disaster Liberalism. And Congressman Chaffetz, uh, before the break, I I said I wanted to ask you about this. Um, Will social media, to the best of your knowledge, to the best of your instincts, will social media and the DOJ censorship be investigated in the new House? Oh, I think it'll be uh, tier one, top of the plate. Absolutely. Unfortunately, it's probably not just the Department of Justice. I think what we're finding is that there are many other departments and agencies that were also bombarding these social media companies. And I, you know, there should be a clear, bright line. In my mind, it's it's pretty simple that they're the they're those law enforcement agencies in particular. They're there to protect us from people who are breaking the law not breaking the terms of service of your social media account. I mean, I think Whitaker put it together. uh, He said it very eloquently. These people were engaged in the suppression of speech. They were engaged in political speech. They were engaged in, in nefarious activities to get their political viewpoint to be superior and more redundant than, than somebody who maybe opposed them. And, um, you know, it's sort of the American way to challenge authority, and yet these people took it to the extreme to shut that down and make sure that voice never got heard. Well, you know, I used to say when people would get uh, – they would get canceled from Twitter and, and they would say, oh, I'm, I, this is free speech. Or it's a violation of my free speech. You know, I would argue, no, that is not. Twitter uh, canceling your account is not a violation of free speech because uh, you don't have a right to have a Twitter account. But because we now know of the federal government involvement, free speech really has to do with the government, uh, as you well know, with the government limiting our speech. And now suddenly this does become a free speech issue. 
Well, I, I think I would have agreed with you in your, your initial statement, but what I want to understand is how, how much money and why were federal government employees, particularly the ones with badges, out there playing policemen um, and making suggestions, which when you're in law enforcement and somebody offers you a suggestion, <laughs> it's a little bit more than just a suggestion from your neighbor, um, that that they'd be taken down, that you not be allowed to engage in this public forum, and that they were spending time. I, I want to go back and ask them, how much money did you spend? What laws do you think you were breaking? How many people did you prosecute? How many people were convicted? How many people went to jail? Because if you're going to put out this dragnet, we know of at least 80 at the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and countless others at agencies like the CIA and Health and Human Services and others, what law do you think it was that they were breaking when, for instance, a Harvard medical doctor is citing a double-blind study talking about COVID. Like what, what law was being broken and why would you even say boo about that? That's not your role. Congressman Jason Chaffetz, we've only got about 30 seconds left here. So why don't you take that time to uh, tell us about your Christmas? I just, you know, being around family, we're in snow country in Utah. So tonight I'm honored to be uh, guest hosting for Laura Ingram and then uh, Hannity later in the week on Fox News. But, you know, it's a great, great season, even though we have all these problems. We still figure these things out. We're the greatest country on the face of the planet, and the American people, we'll, we'll figure these things out. It's going to be a good new year. Congressman, thank you so much for your time, and uh, have a great new year. I appreciate it so much. I know our listeners thank do as well. I'm Joe Kelly. I will be back with you here tomorrow on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you so much for tuning in and for all of your calls today. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.